Praise God as we remain standing and our spirits open to receive what God has for us today. Man, I feel his presence here and it's, it's time to stop running. I'll just lift up our hands like a little child who's finally found his dad. Just lift up our hands and say, God, can you hold me now? I just want to be in your presence. I want to feel your power and your anointing here right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your mercy to us. Amen. Amen. I want to say that uh, it's my privilege to uh, introduce to some of you. Some of you remember Brother Darrell Williams. He spoke for us probably about five or six years ago. And um, Daryl and Lanita are visiting with us all the way from Fayetteville, North Carolina, where they pastor a great, great church. And uh, uh, Daryl and Lanita are old friends. You can't make new old friends. you you, you got to just stick with the old friends that you got, right? And so uh, I've, uh, Daryl's father and Lanita's dad both served with my dad on the youth committee when we were children. So we knew one another. And in fact, uh, Lanita's mom and dad went to college with my mom and dad. So Lanita and I have known each other since we were in footy pajamas, right? And uh, many, many years. And, uh, and then Daryl's dad and my dad served together on the district board. And, uh, but what, what got us together is we served together as youth presidents. Uh, well, he was from Florida, and then he became part of the general committee, and I was representing Southern California. And uh, we were able to reconnect, and uh, some people you just like being around and have a good time with. Amen? And that's the case with uh, Daryl and Lanita. Now, about a year and a half ago, um, Daryl and Lanita came to help us celebrate my wife's 40th birthday. So now you know how old my wife is, if you're wondering. And uh, we had a great time and uh, lots of fun. And then they went home, and just a week and a half later, uh, two weeks, week and a half, two weeks later, we got the call that uh, on Sunday, Daryl, they have two services, and uh, after the first service, he went back to lay down and uh, just kind of catch his breath, and he fell asleep, and it came time for him to preach, and uh, he was back asleep, and uh, which would be normally something we could laugh about, but uh, the fact is, is that he had had an effect, infection that had attacked his brain. He had to go in for emergency brain surgery, and it was very, very touch and go for a while. And I asked Life Church if you, uh, during that time, to remember my friend, my, our friends Daryl and Lanita in prayer. And we're thankful to God that uh, he's here today and uh, for a while. Amen. For a while, he was a little bit out of his mind and uh, did some funny things in the, uh, uh, in the hospital. But I'll let you judge today whether his uh, uh, cognizance is back to normal. But uh, we're so thankful. We've had a great time. They've been here vacationing this week, and uh, we were able to go spend a couple days. That's why my face is tanned. And, uh, but we've had a great time. And um, you know what? The Bible says uh, uh, that there are some friends that stick closer than brothers. And this guy right here is an awesome, awesome, loyal friend. And I'm glad to have him in my life. Daryl, thank you for being with us. So cool to be here with you guys today. I just think that you guys have one of the greatest pastors in Rich and Tamara Brown. Would you let them know? Would you give them a great round of applause and let them know just how incredible they are? Forgot to mention, we're so glad to have Haley and Reeve and Elon with us. Awesome kids. Make sure you meet them after church. 
And I want us to just, uh, I, I'm thrilled that my family's here, but I'm, I'm like super excited about what I feel in God's presence right now. Amen. And that, so I just want us to pray and ask God to minister to us through his word in the name of Jesus. Father, you're good to us. You're really good to us, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for what we feel in this house today, Lord. I thank you for what we experienced already. I thank you for your word that is about to go forth and what you're about to do in this place, Lord. And I'm praying for every single person that is here, Lord. I am praying for every person that is here. You came to, to, to minister to them, Lord Jesus. They came to give you glory, Lord, and you are here to, to respond to that and minister to every person here in a unique way, Lord Jesus. You know who we are, and you know what we need individually, and you can use one word to minister to every single one of us in a different way, Lord. And I'm praying for that right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. No greater name than the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I want to begin just by sharing a story that happened in our home about 10 years ago. And uh, now my, I have three kids, Reeve, Haley, and Elan. Reeve and Haley are now taller than I am, and, and I love that. And, and Elan, she's about two feet tall, and hopefully she'll hit a growth spurt. And she, She's seven, but she's a tiny seven, and, and we just love her. She's just a, she's just a, a doll. And, and so but when Reeve was little, before Elan was even in the picture... Uh, we would go and take our kids to their bedroom and we would put them to bed and I would kneel down next to their bed and I would pray with them and, and we would uh, help them, you know, get settled in for the evening and, you know, because you got to get to bed so you can get up for school the next day. And this was our routine. And, and so I had taken Reeve up to his bedroom and I tucked him into bed and I prayed with him and, and I was walking out the door and, and I, I went to hit the light switch and just as I was about to escape, and some of you dads know how this works, you think you're just about to escape out of the room. And I was just about to escape, and, and Reeve just, just, just blurts out this little question. He's like, he, Dad, can I ask you a question? Well, I'm trying to be a good dad, you know. I really don't want him to ask me a question because I'm more tired than he is, and I want to go to bed. But I step back in the room, and I just, I'm sure, what, what's up? And he says, can we move? And I said, well, you know, we've got a beautiful home here, and I actually work here, and that's a good thing. And, and so, you know, why are you wanting to move? And he said, well, I just need a fresh start. I'm like, son, you're, you're, you know, you're like nine years old. You really don't need a fresh start just yet in life. And, and I said, what, what's up that you would say that you need a fresh start? And he, he said, well... Dad, I, I did some things at school today and I said some things I probably shouldn't have said and I'm kind of embarrassed and I, I really don't want to go back to school tomorrow. And, you know, if we move, no one else will know anything that I've done or said and it'll just be like a clean slate and I can get a fresh start. And, and I, I assured him that, you know, it's going to be okay. I've been where you are and, and I promise you this won't be the last time that you're wondering if you can get a fresh start and you'd like to go somewhere where nobody knows your name and they don't know about your past, and they don't know your history, am I the only person here today that's ever been at that place where you'd like to just say, I'd like to push the reset button and let's get a whole redo on this thing because I don't like how things are going. I need a fresh start in life. 
And here's the reality about that, and I want you to understand this today. The idea of having a fresh start in life is not your idea or my idea, but a fresh start, a, a do-over, a, a redo button. All of that is a God idea. God designed within us the ability to just start all over again and to do it all over again, and it all comes together in his presence, in his glory, in his power. And this is biblical. Starting over again, we actually see it from the very first words of Scripture. You wouldn't think that you would need to redo in the very first chapter of the Bible, but it's there. Right in the first chapter of the Bible, there's this fresh start. Because you see, in Genesis chapter 1, it makes this statement, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and, and everything is perfect. But then it goes on to say, and the earth was without form and void and dark. It was without form. It was shapeless. It was void. It was empty. It was dark. It was gloomy. And then it makes this statement, the Spirit of God hovered over, moved over the darkness of the world, over the waters of the earth. And in the next 26 verses, God begins to put back together what was empty and dark and void and depopulated. God begins to restore it and to make it over again. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the earth and the heaven are made, and they're made in perfection. God doesn't make any mistakes but then you see in that second verse everything is wrong but then you see God putting everything back together again and what's so beautiful about that is I need to know that I serve a God that can take everything that's messed up in my life and put it all back together again and I love that I love that about the Bible that you see interwoven throughout the Bible are the repeatedly there are these fresh starts that just that just keep getting rolled out and and you see things like lamentations chapter 3 where the prophet makes this statement that his mercies are new every morning he understands that we need new mercies every morning and this whole idea of a fresh start is God's design it's the way he designed everything it's why you have years because every year we need to make new year's resolutions because last year, the same New Year's resolutions didn't hold up so well. I'm making a New Year's resolution in June, just hoping I can get a head start so I can keep it when I get to January. And you have it in seasons. I love seasons. I don't, I'm not sure you guys have seasons here. But where I live in North Carolina, we, we have four seasons. There is a, I grew up in Florida, though, and you have two seasons there, spring and summer. But you have seasons, and, and in the seasons, there's death. And death is an, important, is an important part of the process. You have to have this, this time where things just die out. But then you see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 4, where it says that he, he spoke the light into existence. And, and some of you will remember from school, light travels at a constant rate of speed of 286,000 miles per second. And as it's traveling, it, it's unchanged. It doesn't matter what else happens Light is not impacted by that. Light is unchanged. And John tells us that God is light. He is unchanged. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's the thing about light. When light begins to shine into something, light brings forth life. The whole process of photosynthesis is, is the idea of plants using light to bring forth something. And, and so what you see from the very beginning of Scripture when God decides that there's going to be this whole redo and this whole fresh start is he implements the, the, the idea of light into the process. And, and then you see in the Word of God that he is 
his light and then you see that his spirit is in us as light and we know that that he brings forth life and the bible says that light brings forth light and so the whole idea of a fresh start does not begin with what you and i would do but the whole idea of a fresh start in life begins with light that's what starts bringing that springtime forth as the sun begins to shine and bringing that warmth into those lives and that's what the spirit of god does in your life and my life it's not what i do to get a fresh start but it's what i allow god to do in my life to transform me and to make me over again old prophet Jeremiah he makes that prophecy in Jeremiah 19 about the the potter going to the potter's house and seeing the clay there as it's being as it's being developed and shaped into some useful vessel but in the midst of the process the potter realizes that there's something wrong in this vessel he is making and so the bible says that he crushes it down to do what to begin again to get a fresh start to start all over again why because he wants to make something better out of it he wants to redo it so that there can be more glory that can be transformed from it do not be afraid of fresh starts because your fresh start is going to take you to something that is greater than you've ever been it's going to help you to get somewhere that you've never been able to go to a fresh start where you are right now may be the place that God wants you to bring you to a point where you're willing to die go into that death so that his light can shine into your life and bring forth something incredible people that are not willing to have a fresh starter like mushrooms mushrooms they grow up overnight six hours that's all it takes for a mushroom to grow six hours but it doesn't take much to destroy one. 60 years is what it takes for an oak tree I'd much rather be an oak tree than a mushroom but there's a lot of restarting there's a lot of winners that that oak tree has to go through there's a lot that that oak tree has to endure to get to where it is. And so you're, you're, you're the place that you're in where you're saying to yourself, come on, God, I need you. Where are you? Do you even hear the prayers that I'm praying? Do you see where I am? Do you know what I'm going through? And God's saying, it's okay that you're going through this because I'm bringing you to a place where you're going to have an opportunity to start over again. There's going to be a new springtime in your life. There's going to be a new development in your life. And you're going to be able to evolve into something that is more glorious than you could ever imagine. We had several years ago, we had a, an individual come to our church and I remember the first service he came to, his, his boss had actually invited him to church. So he may have come to church just to make his boss happy. I'm not sure. But I remember the first service that Jim Roberts came to. He was not happy. Man, he came into church and, and I like to walk around in our church and in our church, we kind of have a philosophy and that's everybody's a greeter. And, and if you see someone you don't know, you just warmly welcome them and and, and that's just kind of the way it is. And so I'm walking around and just introducing myself to people. And, and I, I, I'm afraid to go up to Jim. Jim was bigger than I am. And, and he just looked mean and he looked mad and he looked hateful. And I still went up to him and shook his hand and told him I was glad that he was there. And he grunted at me. I'm not sure it was actual language, but he, he just made some noise. And, 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 and I really didn't expect to ever see Jim come back to church again. But after that service, he told his boss, Mark, he told him, he said, you know, there's um, something unique about that church. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to try and figure out what it is. And, and so Jim kept coming back to 
to our church. And the next thing you know, he, he starts getting involved in some of the small groups that we have. And, and I remember walking out of, out of the church one evening. I'd been working late that evening. I was walking out the side door and, and, and Jim was coming in. I was like, hey, Jim, how's it going? And he's got a big old smile on his face. And, 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 and I remember uh, baptizing him and how incredible that was. Actually, I didn't baptize him. I was just there when the guy baptized him. And it was awesome that I wasn't there because Jim's all wet. And he just turns around and hugs the guy that baptized him. And so now they're both all wet. And that's always good to be a bystander and not actually involved in what's happening there. And, 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 and so Jim's life just becomes so transformed. And, and, and he's coming to church and he's reading his Bible and and, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable what happened in his life in the, in, the, in the two or three years that he was in our church. What, I got a phone call one day, though. That Jim had had a heart attack and died. He had had a minor, minor deal. He was going to go into the hospital for a back surgery. And someone complicated his medicines. And he had, as a, a side effect, to, I guess it's not really a side effect, he, he had a heart attack and, and, and died. And, and so they called and, and we, we scheduled the funeral, and we went to the funeral, and his sister, who I did not know, she was from Georgia, she asked if she could speak, and of course, this is your brother, and, and, and she walks up to the, to the podium to speak, and she begins to tell about Jim's life, about how when they were children, how, how they just loved life, and they had so much fun together, and, they, and Jim was always happy, and he was alive with the party, but as a teenager, things started to go against Jim, and, 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 and things were, were not in his path and, and he began to get angry and he began to get bitter and he began to become frustrated with life and, and she was telling about her brother going to this place of just anger and darkness and, and frustration and emptiness and, 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 and she's explaining to us just how horrific his life was at his funeral she's doing this and she says but then he came to this church she had never been to our church before. And she's standing there on that platform that day at his funeral. And she said he came to this church. And something happened to Jim in this church. And she said, I want you to know, if you could have known Jim before Jesus, and then you could have known Jim after Jesus. He, she said, you would have seen the most incredible transformation that you have ever seen in your life. And I'm here today to just to share with you, that's not a one-time event. That is a story that can be told over and over and over and over and over and over again, over and in. Why? Because it all goes back to what the prophet said in Ezekiel chapter 37. The prophet said, I will put a new spirit. This is what he says on, the, on behalf of God. I will put, take out that stony heart out of your body and I will put a new heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And that's the key. It's the Holy Spirit of God that makes a difference. Ezekiel. He's a really cool prophet. If I could have been a prophet, I would have liked to have been Ezekiel for one reason, because he has got the coolest story ever in Ezekiel chapter 36. And if you've never read Ezekiel 36, I'll tell you this story, because there's, to me, because I have a weird imagination, at least after the surgery, I actually have a really cool scar right here. I'd show it to you, but I can't. So, Ezekiel, the Bible says that God carried him out to this desert. And we call this place the Valley of Dry Bones. And some of you know this story. Now, if you've got a good imagination, this is an incredible story. Because God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel has the best answer ever. Well, you know. 
He said, I have no idea, but I'll give that one up to you. And God looks at him and says, I want you to preach to these bones. And I want you to preach to them that there's going to be flesh and there's going to be sinew and there's going to be muscle and tissue. And so Ezekiel begins to preach. And, and the Bible says that they're, they're, they're and you remember that song, the leg bone is connected to the hip bone and Okay, so this is what's happening right here in the desert. There's this connection that's happening, and these bones begin to move. Now, you have to think about what this would have looked like. These were not just skeletons laying there waiting to be connected, but these were just scattered bones. And, and imagine that, just a valley of scattered bones. And so, there, you know, that arm could have been a few hundred meters away, and, and so it's kind of got to come across the sand there. And the best Hollywood theatrics couldn't even have captured what happened that day as, as Ezekiel began begins to preach and these bones begin to come back together and there's this rattling and there's this shaking and can you imagine what's going through Ezekiel's mind as he's standing there watching skeletons come back together and he's preaching and then there's sinew and there's tissue and there's muscles and there's flesh coming on these on these bodies and all of a sudden there are laying there in the desert just a whole bunch of bodies doesn't even say why these dry bones were there could have been leftovers from a battle. That's my imagination. My imagination says that there was a battle that took place here, and these are the guys that didn't win, at least not that day. And so all, the, all these soldiers just laying there, and, and all, the, all their bodies have come back together, and, and God comes back to Ezekiel and says, keep on preaching to them. And as Ezekiel begins to preach again to him, the Bible says that the winds came and, and, and life began to come into these bodies. And these men who had died, I'm assuming they were all men. Maybe it was men, women, children. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't say. just says a lot of bones. And, and so they come to life. And as they come to life, can you imagine being the prophet standing there and all of a sudden all these people start sitting up in the middle of the desert and then standing up? I would not have stayed. I would have left. I don't care what kind of revival you call that I'm leaving in that situation Ezekiel doesn't Ezekiel hangs out and and I don't know what the conversation would have been because the last thing that guy remembered was a sword going right through his gut but now all of a sudden he's standing here and everything's okay and and it might be it could have been a few hundred years later it could have been a thousand years later the Bible doesn't tell us that which would have made for a really awkward conversation when you go back home to your house and somebody else is living there I mean, if you think about this story, there's a lot of great stuff in that story. But this story is an ultimate representation of a brand new start that God can give a man or a woman because you think that your life is so scattered. All the pieces are everywhere and you don't feel like you can pull them back together again and you cannot pull them back together again. But there is a God that through the, through the word can start bringing all of those pieces back together again and your life that you think is so broken and messed up and shattered he can start pulling all those pieces if you will let God but it happened through the preaching of his word which is a little side parenthesis here is why you should never miss church because you never know that might have been the one sermon that brought your piece back together little meddling there I miss being home today so and 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 this I I just I love this whole idea because Paul wrote to the church he, he wrote to the church therefore if any man be in Christ 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man, but you know what Paul also wrote to the church? He said, I travail in my spirit until Christ be formed in you. In other words, Paul was saying, hey, don't worry about the fact that you don't have it all together because I'm still travailing for you until Christ be fully formed in you. Don't worry about the fact that you've got these pieces that don't seem to be coming together because I'm praying for you until Christ be fully formed in you. Paul is saying, hey, you won't have it all together, but you're just going to keep having these fresh starts and these redos and these go at it agains. Why? Because that's the plan of God that he would bring everything together for you that he would put in your life a new heart a a new heart I have a new brain but this is about new heart so Uh, 50 years ago Christian Bernard you guys remember Christian Bernard He was the guy that did the first heart transplant 50 years ago. Never never been done. 50 years ago, he did the first heart transplant. Now, more than 5,000 heart transplants occur every year. Incredible. Think about that. That's a lot of people getting new hearts. And they discovered something. Every time someone got a new heart, their personalities would change. Even the foods that they liked would change. And the music that they liked would change. And so one of the heart recipients, a girl named Claire Sylvia, who was my age, I'm 47 years old. I know I look a lot younger than that, but really. I actually had someone last week ask me how old I was. And I said, well, how do you think I am? And they said, well, you have a young face, but you got really old hair. So Claire Sylvia was my age, 47 years old. And she had, a, she had a heart transplant. And after the heart transplant, she realized the same thing. She liked new foods. She liked new music. She, she liked uh, new clothing, fashions. Everything about her life changed. And this was so weird to her that she decided to do some research and trying to figure out what happened. And she actually wrote a book called A Changed Heart. And it was all about this changed heart. And here's what happened. She received the heart of a a teenage boy. Can you imagine being a 47-year-old woman? You grew up on 80s music, and now all of a sudden? (laughs) Wow, that would be one messed up situation there because, you know, she liked new music. Now her food taste changed. Now all of a sudden she wants to eat Twizzlers and drink Yoo-Hoo and eat chocolate donuts all day. She wants to play video games. She actually knows how to use her smartphone. Her, her entire life changed, but it was all because she was... 
planted within her was a new heart and that new heart completely changed everything about her and this is what God when Ezekiel says that God wants to take out the stony heart of that is within you and put it within you a heart of flesh and he says and I will put my spirit within you what God wants to do is he wants to take what you used to like and transform it into being something that is new and completely different something that glorifies him and what you used to want to do now you want to glorify and honor him he wants to change that that mind that old man oh i love romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 says that if we are buried with Christ in baptism, we are raised to newness of life. It's an incredible passage of scripture. It's why Jesus says in John chapter 3, Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus. Jesus does not wait for Nicodemus to start talking. He just says, except you be born again, you cannot go to heaven. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? How can I be born again? And he says in verse 5, except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit. He can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The water and of the Spirit. And Jesus is talking about baptism, being filled with the Spirit. In fact, it goes all the way back to the creation. The Jews, when they saw dry land appear, that, that passage of Scripture, that was the birth of dry land. And, and so it was all through mikvah, which was their ceremonial washings. And so when Jesus says you have to be born of the water and the Spirit, Nicodemus knows what he's talking about, but he doesn't understand how in the world a person, an individual, he makes the statement, can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says the Spirit moves however it wants to move and changes lives. And it's this incredible thing that takes place in, in Nicodemus in his life. And, and what I want you to understand this morning about that whole thing about baptism, you know, in the Bible, five times the Bible says that when we're baptized, our sins are removed. What an incredible thing. We always think of baptism as being a ceremony, but if you understood that baptism was so much more than just some ceremony, that there's a promise that comes with it, a promise of being made new, of being washed, and that's why as a church we still practice baptism because it's not just a ceremony, but it is something that you and I can have in our lives that is a fresh start, it's a do-over, it's, a, it's a, a beginning again, a new beginning, it's new mercies that flow on our lives, and it's incredible, it's astounding what God does in the heart, the mind, the soul of a person. And I want for every single person here today, I want you to know that just like Jim Roberts, that guy in our church who came and his life was completely transformed, my life, right here, my life can be completely transformed today. I can have a fresh start. I can have a new beginning. I can begin all over again. That's why Jesus gave us 24 hours a day. That's why the sun sets. Because every morning, he wants you to know it's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a reminder. Yesterday is gone. That's why the Apostle Paul said the past, let it go. Forgetting those things which are behind me. He said, I'm pressing forward. I'm starting again. I'm starting again. I'm starting again. I'm starting again. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, will you bow your heads with me? In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray for every single person that is in this house today. I pray for every single person that is here today, Lord Jesus. There are some individuals here, Lord Jesus, they're facing some serious situations. They're facing some frustrations. They're facing some, some, just some nervousness over issues that they're dealing with. And I'm praying for them today, Lord Jesus, that they would feel the opportunity, Lord Jesus, just to get that 
you, you, that fresh wind. You told Nicodemus that your spirit moves however it wants to move. Your spirit moves however it chooses to move. And I'm praying that they would just get that fresh wind this morning, Lord Jesus, that their lives, Lord Jesus, that they would feel your power and your presence moving in their hearts, oh God. And whatever it is, they may need a fresh start in their home. Maybe it's a fresh start in their career. Maybe it's a fresh start in their marriage. Maybe it's a fresh start in the relationship with their children. Maybe it's a fresh start with you, oh God. Maybe they have failed. Maybe they made a mistake and they're beating themselves up for some past sin. And they need a fresh start today, Lord. I'm praying for every single person in this house, oh God, that you would help them to understand today that fresh starts are your idea. And you gave them to us. It's not something we're hoping for that can't be achieved, but it's actually something that you're holding your hand out saying, come on, I'll give you a fresh start. I'll give you a fresh start. I'll give you a fresh start. I want you to see this. Remember the apostle Peter? When when they were trying to convict Jesus, three times the apostle Peter denied Jesus Christ. Three times. The Bible says when the sun came up, when light shone in his life, he felt convicted and he ran. But then when you see Jesus come back from the grave, the Bible says that Peter is out fishing and he comes to the shore and there Jesus is standing by a fire. See, here's the thing. When Peter denied Jesus Christ three times, he was standing by a fire that somebody else had made. But now he's standing by a fire that Jesus has made. And three times Jesus says, do you love me? Because Jesus wanted Peter to understand that for every time you denied me, I'm giving you a fresh start. You denied me once, do you love me? You denied me twice, do you love me, Peter? You denied me three times, do you love me? And standing by a fire that Jesus Christ made, Peter recognizes that for every failure that he has, Jesus has come on back. Seventy times seven, you can't outrun him. The psalmist says that a righteous man falls six times, but he gets up seven because there's a new start. There's a new day, a new beginning. In the name of Jesus, will you stand with me? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. There is this area right down front, an open area between me and this front row. We call it an altar. And here's what I would like. Our musicians and singers are getting ready to lead us in in worship. But I think that there's some people like here, like me, that are here, that you just feel like, you know what, I need a fresh start. I need a do-over. I need to just to reset this thing. And so I'm inviting you to just come up here to the front and stand with me and just raise your hands and worship to God. And just pray that prayer. Just go ahead and pray that prayer saying, God, I just need to do it over again. I just want to restart. I I just want to push the button and start all over again. And it doesn't matter if you've been here a hundred times or a thousand times or this is your first time. I'm inviting you to come up here and join me in this altar, this open area, just to say, God, let me, let me start over again in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus. Father, as they come, we worship you. As people are coming down the aisles, Lord Jesus, we magnify you. We exalt you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you today. 
We adore you, Lord Jesus, and my prayer for every single person in this house today, that every person who has come today, they would come the passion, Lord Jesus, just to start over again, just to do it over again in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 I'm asking you, God, for a fresh start. I'm asking you for a new beginning, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you, God, for a chance to do it over again, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.